Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, May 17, 2017, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 3, More About Alcoholism, on page 42, the first paragraph beginning with two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me. We will be reading and commenting on two paragraphs ending with, as in fact it proved to be. Today's readers are Yvette A., Anita L., Amanda R., Lynn S., and Lauren N. Our newcomer greeter is Suzanne W., The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, May 16, 2017, are 9944 for the 7 a.m. meeting, Eastern Time meeting, and 9947 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. That's 9944 and 9947. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Yvette A. to read the 12 steps of OA. Yvette A. Star one to unmute. Good morning, this is Yvette A. from New York. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, 
humbly asks him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service today. Thank you, Yvette A. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. 
Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 42, the first and second paragraph, beginning with two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me and ending with, as in fact, it proved to be. We will be commenting on both paragraphs. I will now ask Amanda R. to begin. Good morning. This is Amanda R., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. Two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me. They grinned, which I didn't like much, and they asked me if I thought myself alcoholic and if I were really licked this time. I had to concede both propositions. They piled on me heaps of evidence to the effect that an alcoholic mentality such as I had exhibited in Washington was a hopeless condition. They cited cases out of their own experience by the dozen. This process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. Then they outlined the spiritual answer and program of action, which a hundred of them had followed successfully. Though I had not, though I had been only a nominal churchman, their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow. But the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. It meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the window. That was not easy. But the moment I had made up my mind to go through with the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved, as in fact it proved to be. So that's where the reading ends. Um, You know what I really like in this section? I was looking at it last night, and um, (laughs) this part about them grinning cracks me up. But, uh, they, you know, these two members of Alcoholics come in, and they ask Fred um, whether he uh, saw himself an alcoholic and if he were really licked this time. And he says, I had to concede to both propositions. And I I thought about that 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 concession that I'm I'm really down for the count. This has got me. And I think we we tend to look at that as such a scary, frightening place to be. But in fact, it, for me, it was such a relief to just say oh, I can't do this. Like I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried everything. I've tried everything multiple times, and I'm just not getting anywhere and my food my eating my life were all just this train wreck and you know Fred wasn't exactly a spectacular example of success in his attempts to control his drinking um and so he he says yep that's that's me and that at that moment if we go down to the end of the those paragraphs that you know, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved as in fact it proved to be it's i'm just 
I'm trying to encourage people. It's not that bad. There's a way out. And when we reach out um, to people who can guide us along that way, the hope is just immense. Now it is, you know, they do, they admit, he says, the program of action, it's entirely sensible, but pretty drastic. And yeah, it is. Um, this is not a program of of moderation and to do things when I feel like it or when it's convenient or when it's comfortable. Uh, this is a program I really have to work or else I'm going to die. But I really, you know, <laughs> there is no door number three, as we say. I wish, you know, I I wish I could make this easier for sponsees. And yet, the way out... Um, it's it's hard, but it's so worth it. And um, just encourage everyone to really look, everyone in the beginning, if you're not sure, is this me? Am I really one of these people? Write down your food history. Write it honestly and share it with someone and reflect on it. And maybe it's you, maybe it's not. If it is, um, you're very, very welcome here, and we'll do all we can to help you along the way of recovery. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Amanda R. Who would like to share on these two paragraphs? Believe it or not, all I heard was Katie G. Who yeah. Yeah. Dina S. Harlan G. Dina S. R. I heard. Roxanne T. I heard Harlan. And I heard Larry. Roxanne I heard Roxanne T. Matt M. Deborah. And I heard Matt M. Okay, so I'm going to stop at those six because then we're going to have an announcement after the six people share. So it's Katie G, Tina S, Harlan G, Larry K. Roxanne T. and Matt M. And I know there were many other voices. I'm so sorry. I just didn't catch the name. Go ahead, Katie T. Hey, Rebecca. Can I be heard? Yeah. Perfect. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic, and Bulimic. Grateful to be calling in from Boston and starting my timer. I'm just going to focus in on one paragraph uh, or one line. Um, I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the window that wasn't easy. Yeah, it wasn't easy. I mean, the biggest lifelong conception is that I can do the job myself, right? Like the great KDG, like, you know, I grew up in an affluent suburb. I went to school. I could do the job myself. Everyone taught me, you know, we've been talking about this, right? Like if I'm a good enough person, I can do this. I can manage this. I can do this. And I loved what the speaker said before. Like I remember when this disease had brutalized me to the point where all I said was to my sponsor, I was like, just please tell me what to do. I can't do it. I can't do it. Just tell me what to do. 
Um, there's a lot of background noise. Thank you. Um, it was such a relief. It was such a joy. And I remember being a little pissy with people who were laughing, like people on the line today who laugh. And I'm like, how can you laugh? My life is so hard. And it's because when you live through the misery of addiction, like life becomes joyful. And um, today, like the lifelong conceptions that I continue to work on are not easy with this simple program of action, right? Like if I work hard enough, I'm going to get what I want. Life should be easy. God owes me. Like, why is this stuff happening to me? I'm abstinent. I'm doing the do. Like, why Why is life painful? Or um, the things that one of my sponsors taught me when I first did step four, if I had what you had, I wouldn't feel the way I feel. Or if you did what I wanted, I wouldn't feel the way I feel. These are lies. These are lifelong conceptions that have been based on this idea that I can do it myself. And that knowledge, I can do it myself each and every time. My thinking got so bad, my anger got so bad based on fear that was so strong that eating was my only solution. And when eating is my only solution, it clearly looks like my only problem because my life starts falling apart. And what is so amazing is time and time again, this simple program of action reminds me that when I surrender the food a day at a time and I keep my program first a day at a time, that the things I give to God, my, the God of my understanding, are better than I am, can imagine. And it, life doesn't have to be the KDG show. you know. And when life is hard, because guess what? It's hard. We all know that. We all have our stuff. It's okay because guess what? I have a place to go today. I have a place to go to find what? Hope. And that's why we're grinning because we have faced death. And you know what? I have been given the opportunity, the privilege to live multiple lives in one lifetime. Out of many toilet bowls and exercise bulimics, I am alive today for some reason by the grace of God, and I want to fit myself to be of maximum service to God. So I'm going to try and do it. I'm going to do it today one more day with all of you, and it is a pleasure and a privilege. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Tina S. Thanks, Rebecca, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Wow, some great shares. Thanks so much. I uh, heard a lot of really good things and uh, totally relate. Glad I can um, take a seat here. You know, uh, what I heard was, you know, two propositions. You know, was I alcoholic and was I really licked? You know, I knew I had been alcoholic or compulsive eater for many, many years, but I hadn't been licked yet. Well, you know, when I came in the last time, I was really licked. And, um, you know, and so then there was something I had to do differently. You know, and I didn't like these people when they, you know, they had this life that was, looked to me, happy, joyous, and free. And I was coming in from the gutter, you know, because I had had to uh, try it one more time, you know. And um, and the moment I gave up, you know, the moment I, I quit resisting, you know, I quit fighting, you know, and then I knew on my own I was through. You know, then, you know, some things started to happen. You know, for one thing, I was willing to do something, anything, because what I had done certainly wasn't working. You know, and then they talk about it. You know, then it was a spiritual answer. And I always say this because it's the truth. I didn't come here to get spiritual. Did not, you know. But today, that is certainly a goal of mine. You know, what a transformation. And, and then they talk about, you know, lifelong conceptions. They had to go out the window. You know, and then it was a program of action. You know, it wasn't, you know, into thinking chapter six, you know, it's into action. And, uh, and there were 12 steps, you know, and there was work to be done. 
You know, I couldn't just sit around and want to get it from you. Oh, no, I wanted to get it from you, but I couldn't get it from you. Um, there, I had to do the work, you know, and, um, you know, and, and I invited, finally invited a power greater than myself, greater than myself into my life. And he did for me what I certainly couldn't do for myself. That'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Harlan G. Thank you, Rebecca. This is Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. As I look at these two paragraphs, they are beautifully, beautifully entwined in steps one and two. And when I look at the first paragraph, once again, it is a reiteration of step one. It said, they asked me if I thought myself alcoholic. And a lot of times in this book, many times, they call that spiraling in education, they're going to show me and pound into my head that I must accept the fact that I am indeed an alcoholic. What does that mean? That means that I am a compulsive overeater with an allergy of the body, which makes it impossible for me to stop once I've started and a twist of the mind, which makes it absolutely impossible for me to stay out of the food now that I want to. And if I were really licked this time, that means have I accepted the doctor's opinion. And the depth at which I accept the doctor's opinion will mark the urgency with which I will work the rest of the 11 steps and I had to concede both propositions. Both propositions are parts of step one. And then they said, then they outlined, <clears throat> excuse me, the spiritual answer, step two, and program of action, four through 12, which a hundred of them had followed successfully. Though I had only been a nominal churchman, their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow. Now here's what, what I see here that's very, very important. The moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, three, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved as in fact it proved to be. Because I am making that decision to go through with four through 12 every day for the rest of my life without any exception and as if my hair is on fire. And these guys are grinning in the first paragraph. Why? Because not only are they refraining from drinking, but they are doing so happily because of a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. And I have to throw several lifelong conceptions out the window. The first one is, I can't do this by myself. That has to go. The second one is, Food is the problem. That has to go. Food is, for me, the solution to the problem. The problem is the buildup of everyday human emotions. And the most important concept that I have to throw out the window is, again, what I said, that I can do this myself and that when I get to a certain weight or I get a certain amount of money or whatever, that somehow I be cured. Nope, I will never be cured. I have a daily reprieve based on my spiritual condition, and that takes work. Thank you for this great meeting. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for everybody on Team Wednesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G.
Larry Kay. Rebecca, thanks for your service. Uh, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. But but Harlan, you may say, or, you know, I've been in program for 30 years. You're telling me that I'm on step one? What, what, what are you talking about? I took that step the moment I walked in the room. You know, for something to be drastic, that means it's going to be radical, extreme. And the program of action, yes, it was entirely sensible, but it was pretty drastic. And all the while, all I could focus on when I came in here was putting down my binge foods, getting a food plan, and that appeared to me to be the drastic deal. My best thinking told me, told me you know, that my greatest obstacle was to put down the food because food was my problem, but it wasn't. And this notion of working some steps for me, which, which early on meant memorizing the 12 statements on the wall, conceptualizing some you know, philosophical notion about what they meant, analyzing them, discussing them at meetings, these ideas. Are you kidding me? That was easy. I love discussing stuff. I was always good at essay tests because I, I love considering debating ideas, conceptual ideas, taking action. Oh, no, no, that's another matter. See, this appeared to be the same thing. These were like a 12-question test that I would ace. I could debate it with you, analyze it, memorize it, throw it up all over the table. You betcha, I could do it. Boy, was I wrong. I was so very wrong. These steps required a level of surrender in that they weren't to be analyzed and debated. No, they were to be worked, period. No analysis, no debate, no contemplation about them. Just work them precisely. The simple plan of action was much more difficult than the simplicity of putting down my food. Not to minimize the uncomfortability of surrounding that, it was. No, what made the practical program of action hard for a self-centered guy like me was beautifully summarized in the paragraph in, in, in There is a Solution on page 25. It says, almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcoming which this process requires for its successful consummation. It requires that. I conceded nothing if I'm still into the food on any level. I've conceded nothing. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Larry Kay. Roxanne T. Thank you very much, Rebecca. My name is Roxanne T. Recovered here in New York. Uh, I, I really like this uh, paragraph here. Um, it really speaks to me in, in a couple of ways. One uh, is uh, myself personally when it came to um, uh, you know, realizing that I just couldn't do this on my own. Uh, too many things had happened. There was just too much of my experience that shouted I couldn't do the job myself. And uh, it, I really appreciated everybody uh, on A Vision for You, uh, where I really got to hear a lot of, uh, you know, cases of how people couldn't do the job themselves. You know, it really helped out a lot. And this not only helps me personally as a compulsive overeater who wants to, you know, recover from this disease, but it helps me also when it comes to being a sponsor because it's a great, a great example of how to sponsor someone new. It's a beautiful example of a 12-step call when you first meet someone um, who is having trouble, you know, and uh, 
you know, it says that, you know, of course they first asked him if, if, if they were really licked this time, you know. I mean, sometimes we're, we're really not sure, but we go through so much. And, and he said he had to concede to both propositions. And then Fred says that the two people from Alcoholics Anonymous piled on him heaps of evidence to the effect that the alcoholic mentality, such as I had exhibited in Washington, was a hopeless condition. So they heap on piles of evidence as to how this disease is a hopeless matter. Um, and then they cited cases out of their own experience by the dozen. Um, and this process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. And I was told that that's the primary goal of a 12-step call, is to help the sufferer to snuff out the last flicker of conviction that they could do the job themselves. And that's what this um, great, you know, uh, vision for you, you know, phone meeting has done for me and my sponsors have done for me. And I hope I can do this for others who suffer as well. Uh, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Roxanne T. Matt M. Hi, good morning. This is Matt M. Compulsorated from New Jersey. Um, uh, this here was a man named Fred who actually thought that all this self-knowledge that he had over his binges, he'd be able to stop on his own, on, on his own, and obviously he couldn't, you know. It crushed his ego completely. He was definitely trying to do it himself, easing got out. And then, you know, when the two members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see him, um, they, they, they gave him their own experience, strength, and help, and he saw they didn't preach to him. They didn't try to, like, you know, proselytize to him. They just spoke of their own experiences, not trying to woo him over and try to, you know, try to get him to convince him that he was an alcoholic. Just by their own experience, he realized from what, out of his own experience, by listening to them, relating to them, that um, he was one of them. You know, his process snuffed out the left, like our conviction, he could do the job himself. He couldn't. He was powerless. You know, he he, he needed to accept the spiritual answer and program of action, which a hundred of them followed successfully. There's a hundred people right in front of him, they said, who'd be able to do it. So he actually saw that, you know, he did have this illness. He wasn't happy about it, obviously. I know I'm not happy about being a compulsive reader, but it's what I have, and I need a spiritual solution to solve this problem. It's like any other disease. The cure is the 12 steps. And it's like he, he needed the cure of the 12 steps for his alcoholism. Um, the program of action, though, is sometimes it's very easy and sensible. I understand it uh, um, mentally, but sometimes emotionally and spiritually, I, 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 I come into contact with them. I have a hard time believing some of the premises, but just for today, I'm willing to put aside everything I think I know because I'm too smart for my own good. Just like Fred seems a little bit too smart for his own good is why he rejected the program of action in the beginning because he thought, oh, yeah, I got this. You know, so I relate to Fred, that arrogance that comes out of thinking, oh, I got this. I just lost a bunch of weight. I lost over 260 pounds. I got this. I don't need the 12 steps. I'll just keep on dieting with group support. That worked, that worked for me in the past, and it really didn't. The denial and the lies that I would tell myself, telling myself that I I got this, I lost weight, I can do this again, I can get I can get all my weight off without working the steps. I'll just call people during the day, use the nine tools, and blah blah blah. It doesn't work that way, and I'm grateful that today I can see that it's not easy because I'm having a lot of cravings right now because I'm newly out of the food, but I'm willing to put that aside. You know, I don't have to go for the pizza, I don't have to go for the sugar. I can leave that stuff alone because I've had my fill of it. I I believe me, I've uh, lost the ability to have uh, comfort from chemical dependency. And the food for me is a chemical dependency, so I don't, I don't need I've had I have my higher share of pizza and everything else in my life. I don't need it anymore. So I'm grateful that I can just work the program one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Madam. We now interrupt 
our program for a word from our sponsor. <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> it's coming. Have you registered? A Vision for You is hosting our second convention. And if, it's, and if this is anything like the first one, you don't want to miss it. When? September 15th, 16th, 17th, 2017. Where? At the Marriott Hotel and Convention Center at Liberty International Airport in New Jersey. So how do you register? You go to www.a vision the number four u info so come on all come experience the power of the big book in person you don't want to miss us and now back to rebecca thanks monica well we're back to our program and who else would like to share on these two Ma- paragraphs Monica. I heard Vanessa O. Melissa R. Judith R. I heard Anna M. Vanessa R. and Judith R. Jan S. Uh, Jan S. Isn't Sam? Yeah, Anna Thank M. You. And Jana M. Anna M. Um, could you spell your first name that I think is Jana? A is an apple. Oh, Anna M. Anna M. <laughs> okay, yeah, I got you, Anna. Okay, so there's six here. Let's go with the six of you, and I'm going to say who I have. Vasa O, Melissa, I think it's C, Nessa R, Judith, F or S, Jan S, and Anna M. Vasa O, please go right ahead. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive, Ovita, calling from uh, Fox from Massachusetts, Thank you, Rebecca, for your service, and thank you for everybody being here today. I had no clue what I was getting into when I came to my first meeting. As a matter of fact, I was fucked first week before I came to my first meeting. Uh, one of my friends had been into AA and OA, and she came to visit me at my house. I hadn't seen her for quite a while. And uh, she looked wonderful, she looked serene, and I was shocked to see the change in her. She lost some weight, and she just looked, you know, good. And I had asked her what she's been doing and how I had been hurt, because I hadn't heard from her for a while, and I'd been making some phone calls. And her husband told me she had been going to meetings. I had no clue what kind of meetings she was going. Finally, she did show up in my kitchen door, she came in, and as I said, she looked good, and I asked her what she was doing. And she told me she had been going to OA. And I had no clue what OA was. Um, and she 12-stepped me. She told me with her, about her food addiction, which I knew. We both struggled with the food over the years. And uh, again, she did it for about a week before she took me to my first meeting and I was just so grateful I wasn't brought into a church basement because, um, and I heard this was a spiritual program. It wasn't a religious program. So that made it even easier for me to come to the meetings. And uh, I was crushed and blown away when I heard I had a disease and, um, and I could not 
stop eating by myself and I needed to find a power greater than myself and the program and you're doing the steps was going to help me. I was thrilled to find out the solution. I was not depressed, you know. I was thrilled. And, you know, reading at the beginning, I remember reading how the 100 men uh, recovered. And I read this book from the beginning to the end within a few weeks, you know. I couldn't put it down. And uh, I, it was blow to me to find out I had, I, well, I knew I was a food addict, you know, because I tried to put the food down for years and years. I couldn't, but I did not know there was going to be a solution. And I was just, I was so excited to hear about the solution. And, you know, the only thing she said, just take it one day at a time. And I needed to put the food down. That was the most important thing I had to do at the beginning. And I really focused on my abstinence. And I was saying, oh, when I lose the weight, I'm just going to stop. I thank God I stayed and listened and kept coming to the program and, and kept on doing the steps, you know, one step at a time. I was a workaholic, you know, I mean, a physical workaholic. I'll wrap it up. To me, to go to a step meeting or to go to a meeting, to me, it was relaxing. I could sit and listen and absorb. So this is not hard work. It was emotional hard work, but it's not a physical work. Thank you for letting me share that pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Melissa C. Hi. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I think about um, (laughs) that they're grinning, you know, that there's a smile, and he really didn't like that. And, um, you know, I'm not... I'm not a sadistic person, but um, I have to say that when somebody um, calls me or somebody approaches me at a meeting um, or calls me on the phone and and they're crying, there's a piece of me that's smiling inside because, um, you know, they're answering that question, are you licked? You know, when we come, when I came to my, you know, first meeting, I, I couldn't even make eye contact. I just looked down the whole time crying. I couldn't look up. And, um, yeah, because I was wrecked. I felt, you know, crushed by this. And um, and why, you know, why are they happy about it? Because that's, that's like, until you're crushed, until you're licked, until you admit defeat, um, why would you go on with any drastic proposals? You know, it's, um, why would you do the work of the program um, if you don't feel like you're defeated? And, you know, I smile because I know that the work, that this works, that this is the real solution. Um, you know, I struggled so long out there on my own, um, not really conceding to my innermost self, you know, that I was the real thing. I, you know, would look at... Um, people and identify out. I didn't do everything that they did, so I can't really have what they have. And then then I don't have to do what they do. And, um, you know, and so, like, I'm working with some new people right now, and um, and I can hear incredible willingness. You know, somebody said to me, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm going to do this. I, I've always refused to do this any time I've worked before. And, um, yeah, so obviously feel licked. Obviously, you feel, you know, um, down for the count. And, you know, so 
when they came and did work with him, when they came and carried the message to Fred, you know, the first time um, he wasn't ready to admit anything. They never, even the second time, they're not telling him he's alcoholic. They're not telling him you're down for the count, you're licked. They asked him, are you, you know, a real alcoholic? And, and that's why I ask people, do you believe that you have what I have? I mean, I always say, what I have is fatal. Do you think that you have what I have? And, and, and if you do, are you done? If you have any ideas left that you think might work, go try them. You know, we can't do this drastic work until we know um, that we require it. And thank you, God, I know I do. And I'm happy to know it. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Nessa R. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, this concept of throwing the old ideas out the window is so important to our recovery, um, but it's mentioned in, in several places. Uh, the most notable one is as part of how it works on page 58, where it says, some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. And why do we have to let go of our old ideas? Um, I think the answer to that is um, on page um, 27 in the conversation between Roland Hassett and uh, Dr. Young, where it says, um, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, are suddenly cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. You know, um, a spiritual awakening is a, is a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And our personalities really are the way we think, feel, and behave. And, you know, all action is born in thought. So the, so the changing of the thinking is the, key, is the key thing. Because when I think differently, I feel differently and I behave differently. You know, if my thinking is poor, my, I'm going to feel poorly and my behavior is going to be poor. Uh, and so will my life be poor. But if, I, if my, my feelings are good, Sorry, my, my thinking is good, my feelings will be good, my behavior will be good, my life will be good. And um, how do we achieve that? We achieve that by following the instructions in, in this book, uh, you know, working the 12 steps in abstinence. And one of those instructions is to throw all conceptions out the window. And, you know, this is an exercise that I did when um, I was going through the steps and I asked my sponsees to, to also do them is, you know, what are the old ideas you have to throw out the window? And the more ideas that you can set down on paper, the better off you are. And these are ideas not only about food and weight, like, for example, oh, if I was thin, then I'd be happy. Because I've been thin, a lot thinner than I am now, and I'm now in a normal body. I've, I've weighed 105 pounds, and guess what? I wasn't happy. You know, wherever I went, there I was, and I was miserable. Um, ideas about life in general. You know, like, uh, if only my financial situation was better, I wouldn't be so stressed out. Um, and guess what? <laughs> I've also had times, you know, in my early 20s when I was making oodles of money. And, um, you know, I'm, I wasn't happy either then. You know, now that uh, we live paycheck to paycheck and struggling to make and make and meet, now I'm content because I've had that personality change 
And then there's also ideas about God, you know, like God doesn't care about me because he doesn't listen to me. He doesn't give me what I want. And, it, you know, it's hello. You know, it's not what is your will for God. It's what God's, God's will for you. And this is what um, the transformation that occurs as a result of, um, of working these steps in abstinence. You know, we, we cast aside old ideas. We acquire new ones that really, really work for us um, and make life you know, a beautiful affair, uh, as has been my experience, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Judith, is it F as in Frank? It's Judith R, Rebecca. R. Oh, geez. Thank you, Judith R. <laughs> Go right ahead. Thank you for your service. This is Judith R., a grateful recovered in Vermont. <clears throat> Uh, when it said they cited cases out of their own experience by the dozen, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Sometimes I get so excited about telling them all about the program, I forgot to tell them about my own experience. And then I feel a little apologetic because it's like, well, I've only lost 15 pounds in this program. Well, yeah, but I also lost the desire to kill myself. <laughs> I also lost the desire to... Um, the the Stop thinking about, um, I, God, please give me cancer or an aneurysm because I can't handle this, whatever's going on. <clears throat> so um, the, my short version, my shorthand version of um, telling people why I needed to be here or telling people what it was like for me is, that, well, I eat out of the garbage. And um, many other people have said that, but I also know people who have been entirely grossed out by that because it never occurred to them. As strange as it may seem, it never occurred to them to eat out the garbage. Um, so I remember that the last time that I uh, overate, I said to myself, I went to a birthday party. I looked at a skinny male friend of mine, and I, I guess we were talking about the cake or something. And I said to myself, if he can eat cake, well, damn it, I can eat cake. I completely blanked out, uh, I think it was 10 years in OA, um, three and a half years of solid rock, wonderful abstinence, freedom. And I said to myself, if he can eat cake, I can eat cake. And at the end of the night, funny thing, he wasn't in the bathroom finishing up everybody else's cake. Now, I don't remember how I got everybody else's pieces of cake that they, how could they do that? How could they not finish it? Um, he wasn't in there with me in the bathroom eating everything else's leftover pieces of cake. So unfortunately, I have dozens of things that I can tell um, people I'm sponsoring that I have done. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Judith R. Jan S. Hello. Good morning. This is Jan S. Morning, Morning. Jana. Hey, thank you for being there. I'm still a grateful, recovering, compulsive reader, and I, um, I really related to the part where he was uh, concerned about the drastic actions he was going to have to take in order to get sober. Fred, there, he, um, he just didn't want to do a lot of that. But, you know, I realized today, of all the drastic things I did to stay in my disease, 
I mean, I did drastic things. I got up in the middle of the night, deprived my body of sleep. I ate other people's food. I didn't want to be around my kids. I couldn't wait to get them to bed so I could binge. I used to hide food from my ex-husband, and he didn't, you know, didn't thinking he didn't know I was eating and binging. I screamed and yelled at my kids all the time. So I was doing drastic things in my disease. I would do anything for my food, anything to fill that empty hole in me. And so, you know, how I, I remember people saying, you know, what would you do for a Clark bar? How willing am I to do the drastic measures that it takes to be happy, joyous, and free? How willing am I? Because that's what the bottom line is for me. Peaceful, abstinent, and and working a spiritual recovery program because that's the only thing that's going to keep me sane and, and abstinent one day at a time. And you know what? Nobody ever said to me when I picked up again, uh, so do you think this is this is it? Do you, you know, do you think you have anything else in there that you want to try? Um, do you think you'll lick this time? All I heard, and this is not a blame for anybody, but all I heard back then was, it's okay, it's okay, tomorrow's a new day, go to some extra meetings, make some extra calls, you know, work the tools. I didn't hear you need to get in there and have yourself a spiritual awakening by working these 12 steps. You have to do it this way. I, I was still crossing alcohol. I was a big book and writing food in there, you know, because I just couldn't get it. So for today, I say I am grateful for uh, the 12 steps. I'm grateful for my recovery today. And all the people on this line, thank you for your shares and your service. With that, I pass. Thanks, Jan S. Anna M. Anna M. Star one to unmute. Good morning, everyone. This is Anna M., recovered, cross-addicted, compulsive overeater from New Haven, Connecticut. I'm so grateful to be on this meeting this morning and to hear people share the truth, the concentrated truth of um, what I'm dealing with and what I've dealt with for over 23 years, and especially grateful to have read the paragraphs that we read today. This is a killing disease that dragged me up and down and around and around for 20 years in Overeaters Anonymous. And my evidence, that's my piled high heap heap of evidence or heaps of evidence that I thought I I could do this. And, you know, with maybe one step to one, two, three, and a sprinkle of spirituality here and there and a food plan or a diet or whatever, I thought, at the time, until I got to a vision for you and I heard the clear, concentrated truth about what I was dealing with. And and it parallels addiction as an alcoholic has. Their, their addiction takes them down usually a lot quicker than mine. But I didn't realize that until I got here. And I was at death's door yet once again in this disease. Because for me out with the old ideas and in with the new ideas. And the new ideas are not mine. They have to come from God and from my fellows. And God, for me, speaks through my fellows. So I um, 
I don't have a lot to say, although maybe I do. Uh, yeah, I actually, I have one more thing to say. I was at an Overeaters Anonymous meeting not that long ago, and I was approached by someone after the meeting, and they they commented on my sharing, and my sharing involved the big book as it always does, and, and I reference a lot to it. And I was told that, you know, I ought to, I should be careful about what I say regarding the big book. And, you know, that you you sort of said that OA literature sucks. And I said, no, that's not what I said. I said, for me, I've been in this in in the rooms for 23 years and never realized what a killing disease I had until I read it in the big book. And I sort of had to, like, stand up for myself and say, look, whatever you heard, I don't know. But what I said was this. And keep it very simple and short not allow my um, self-centeredness and my egomaniac self to come out, which was very difficult because, you know, I want to default back to that. But I'm very grateful for the fact that I was able to do that and deal with it like an adult because that's what I've learned from all of you in this program and on this line. I've learned to be an adult and and I didn't go eat over it. That's That is a miracle for me today. So with that, I pass. I thank you, Rebecca F., for your service. And all of you others that are online, thank you. Thank you, Anna M. Um, There's time for one more share. And I'm afraid if I open the line, I'll get flooded. So I'm going to take the liberty of sharing. This is Rebecca F., and I am a compulsive overeater. And I was looking back to the beginning of Fred's story to kind of get the whole picture all at once because we chunk it into such micro paragraphs when we share. So um, a year ago, they saw Fred in the hospital. And he thought he had a bad case of the jitters and had to rest his nerve. And... um, the two AAs talked to him and he made up his mind he was going to quit drinking altogether. And fast forward a year, he's back in the hospital and he's quite shaky. And this disease has progressed in Fred considerably in a year because now he's really in a bad, a worse way than he was a year ago when he was in the hospital. But both times he got put in the hospital, which is pretty serious when you think about it. And um, that's because he was wondering if he was making too hard work of a simple matter, you know, and maybe he was blowing it out of proportion and it wasn't that bad. And eh, before you know it, he could have a drink. And I I can relate. I wasn't put in the hospital, but I had a lot of misery for a lot of years, and I thought that I could um, fix it myself if I just did it right. Um, Even once I was in these rooms and I learned that I had to be abstinent, I didn't fully embrace what that meant until I experienced my last binge, you know, and and truly embraced step one and put down all the food. Um, because this is a progressive disease and untreated, it's going to get worse and worse and worse, even if we're managing to be abstinent somehow. You know, the day will come if we don't 
my experience anyway, if I didn't do the work while the food was down. And Fred finally saw the light, thank God, and um, has lived to tell about it and uh, gets the promises that are in this program, as have I. So um, I'm so grateful for that. I'm going to pass, and we've come to the um, near the end of our meeting. But before we proceed, I want to make a correction about the share ID or what we call the reference number for yesterday's meeting at 10 a.m. There was a typo, I think, and the actual number is 9946 rather than 9947 for the 10 a.m. Eastern meeting on May 16th. So... At this point, um, I will ask, let's see, I'm a little out of force because I shared and I got a little out, outside myself. Um, today's meeting, right. Okay, so I'm going to tell you that today's meeting is 9949. That's the reference number for today, Wednesday, May 16th, 2017, the 7 a.m. Um, Eastern Time Meeting, 9949. Okay, so thank you for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer, and Lynn S will be reading A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggested only to the end of the page. Thank you, Lynn. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovering compulsive reader in Toronto, Canada. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation, which you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>